0: This podcast is supported by Lost Fans Unite, the best place on Facebook to connect with other Lost fans, to share memories, to remember and to let go. If you want to be part of this active and fun community, search Lost Fans Unite on Facebook and request to join the group. Hello and welcome back to Lost and Drunk. Uh, Due to the lockdown, we are still waiting to get back together to start recording season two of our show. But in the meantime, we've got another special episode for you today, an interview with the one and only William Maypoffer, who of course played the other man, Ethan Rom. William, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today?
1: Very well. Thank you for having me, Aaron.
0: No worries. Um, I was just going to check with you. Did I pronounce your surname correctly?
1: You did, and I was just about to acknowledge that you did it right because <laughs> I've heard every possible permutation of it. But you did it right. It's a yes. long a, and you hit that first syllable. Main author.
2: A. Yeah,
0: I am. Um, I actually looked at. Well, I look. I say looked it up. I've heard you uh, uh, give interviews on other Lost podcasts in the past, so I checked it and I was like, I need to get it right because even <laughs> though my name is Aaron, and like you, when you said my name uh, a minute ago, you had no problem with it. I found out that. Uh, American and Canadian people have no problem. Like, the pronunciation is of my name is essentially the American or Canadian version, I suppose. But trying to say what my name is to another English person is a nightmare because we, well, the more common name is Aaron, it's pronounced Aaron, but it's. I think it's technically the same name. Oh, So I actually interesting. like, yeah, whenever I do these interviews or whenever I go to the US or when I've been to Canada and stuff, it's actually really nice to, to in the same way that I suppose you just felt with me pronouncing your name, your surname correctly, uh, to hear you know and do not have to correct anyone is quite
1: nice it's a pleasant surprise exactly
0: <laughs> yeah so i thought i'd start off by um just introducing uh, our show explaining how 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 it started and uh, what we do um and this is this is as much for your benefit as any new listeners as well uh and just to mention to any new uh, listeners who haven't watched the entirety of the show there will possibly be spoilers in here so if you haven't seen past mm, season one or so then stop listening now so basically uh our podcast started last summer Uh, i was um i was around my friend's house we both go to university together and um uh we were drinking one evening and i I, th- I think it was actually his suggestion, but he knew that I loved Lost, and he'd never seen it before. So um, we we started. Yeah, I think he he made the suggestion of watching it that that evening together, and uh, we were fairly drunk by that point. But because. Lost is one of my favorite shows. I know so much about it that I was basically like talking in his ear the whole time and giving him all this, uh, all this, um, information about like, oh, this was shot here and this was shot here. And it was, it was actually about a month before I was due to go back to Hawaii as well. So I was like, oh, this is a place I'm going to go. This is a place I'm going to go. Um, and he made the suggestion, huh, this, this, this would make a good podcast. Like, you know, one person having not seen the show before, one person having seen it loads of times getting drunk sitting down performing a commentary that's track
1: funny
0: yeah so that's that, that's how our show started <laughs> and it's funny because like yeah because of the the way that it started there's a lot of um there's a lot of stuff that we'll record on air and then i won't cuz there's very minimal editing because every episode is like a commentary track i can't cut much stuff out it just sort of flows so every now and again i'll be listening to an episode that i haven't listened to since we recorded it because we record in batches as well. So we'll do like five, six or seven in one day. And then it might be like 10 weeks before that one goes online. Um, oh. And I was listening back to this one uh, a while back. And um, my friend Kai, he's hes a big film fan. And he was, uh, we were watching actually one of the episodes uh, that you were in and um, he was making jokes about um, Ethan and uh, Ethan from Mission Impossible. And he was saying, oh, you know, Ethan, Ethan, J.J. Abrams, J.J. Abrams. And I, 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 he basically said, maybe they're the same person. And I was like, it's funny you say that because I'm pretty sure that those guys are related um, in real life. And it, that, that is the case, right? You, you you, are related to Tom
1: Cruise. That's right.
0: Yeah, that, that's crazy, crazy stuff. And I, I did want to ask... Um, because my other friend pointed out to me the other day that you were actually in Mission Impossible 2, which I did not know about because I have not seen it since it came out. Was that a, was that a um, role that came about through your family connection or was it completely different?
1: I actually was working, uh, helping to assemble. we were working on the script uh, and I was asked to help uh, just kind of keep track of all the changes and uh, new pages and revisions of things mm-hmm. and we were doing script readings and um, I was participating in a script reading and John Wu
2: mm-hmm.
1: liked what I was doing. So he asked me and I, w- I went down to Australia. We shot it down there mm-hmm. for about eight months. We came back to the States and did the Utah portion and then went back to Sydney. And uh, I, I did both jobs while I was down there. I, Played, uh, I forgot my character's name, Mark maybe, and then also <laughs> continued to keep track because there were a lot of changes and revisions in the script as during production.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. So to to dial it right back, uh, how, what drew you towards acting?
1: Oh boy, um, that's a good question. I was always interested in movies. You know, when I was growing up, television was a different animal, and mm. it wasn't what it is today, and. But I always loved movies. And it I moved to New York uh several years after finishing university. Mm-hmm. And uh somebody and it, at that point I was interested in mostly in directing, and somebody had said to me the best directors are actors uh or are very good with actors because there's only one person on the set who has the job to talk to the actor and that's the director. You have a cinematographer, an editor, a first AD,
2: mm-hmm.
1: all these other parts of production. Uh, the responsibility for those is borne by other people, but the director, so I thought I'm going to take an acting class. Mm-hmm. And I took a couple simultaneously and they were more fun and more challenging and uh, intellectually challenging than mm-hmm. I ever expected. And I just fell in love with it. So I actually started at this path um, as training for something else. And I liked it so much. I never left the path.
0: It's interesting. You say that I, I, I've heard quite a few stories of, um, not necessarily just uh, directing and acting, but people will will work work towards one thing and end up finding something not completely different, but like you say, it's slightly different path. And then they end up just doing that instead.
1: Yeah. Almost every actor I know has their own origin story as it were.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I have to, um, I also have to mention, um, Obviously, at the moment, there, with the lockdown going on, uh, a lot of people are using uh, apps like Skype, like we are now at Zoom and whatever. There's one called House Party that me and my friends have been using. And um, it's basically your bog standard, uh, you know, video chat. You can get a, f- a fair few people on there. But there's also games, interactive games. And there was a quiz one oh. the, other, the other day. There was a quiz one that was playing. And the question was um, something along the lines of um, which... Uh, actor portrayed ethan on lost who was also uh, related to tom cruise and i was like oh really yeah i was like not only do i know this but i i like i was going to speak to this guy in a few weeks it was really really weird coincidence <laughs> <laughs> um oh, so terrific. yeah to bring it back to to, to your career how, how did you uh, come to get cast on lost
1: well that is an interesting story so it actually was fall of 2004 two years earlier i had uh, arranged for a bunch of friends from university to go back to our university to watch a football game mm-hmm. in the uh, in the fall. And we rented a house and everything. And a few days before that, I got an acting job. I couldn't go and I canceled and I got a lot of abuse from my friends. So it got to two years later, fall of 2004.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And on a Thursday, I was supposed to fly from Los Angeles to Chicago. And on Wednesday, uh, around noon, my agent calls and said, I just got you uh, an offer for two episodes on this new show. I said, "What is it lost? She said, it starts tonight. It's It hasn't aired yet. Mm. And I said, ah, re- ah. And she said, and so she just let me hem and haw for a second. And, you know, as an actor, you can't turn down any offer, any work, especially when it's an offer. You don't even have to go out uh, and, and, and and try to get anything. Yeah. And so I, I said, yes. And of course I sent out an email to my friends and was of course, roundly abused and calls and everything else. And so the next day I, instead of flying East to Chicago, flew West to Honolulu, I had to fly out the very next day. And that night the show premiered. And so when I flew out the next morning, uh, I remember the Hollywood reporter and variety came out saying the show is a huge hit. Cause as you may recall, the premiere was a big hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how it came about. Evidently my agent told me that she had proposed me to the casting director who uh, asked JJ Abrams about it. And he remembered me from a movie a few years earlier called in the bedroom with Tom Wilkinson mm-hmm. and Sissy Spacek, Marissa Tomei. And he said, uh, Oh yeah, just offer it to William. Just offer that role. So I was lucky that, and that happens often in an actors' career. Mm-hmm. Uh, one job will get you another, and that certainly worked out for me in this case. And then once the show came out, my episodes came out. Then my my friends didn't quite apologize, but they said they understood my decision.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if 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 there was anything uh, anything that was a good excuse to to miss the football game for, I think uh, that was quite quite a big show, I suppose. <laughs> so yeah no it absolutely was that leads me actually quite handily onto my next question um i didn't realize that it was that the timing was that precise in terms of you getting off of the role and the the show premiering but my next question was going to be uh since you came onto it quite soon after it started it was a becoming hit uh, becoming a hit what was the atmosphere on set like at that time was it you know did people realize because i spoke to i think it was um either uh, Neil Hopkins who played Charlie's brother or Andre Gabriel who uh, played Nadia. I can't remember which one of them said it, but one of them said that the atmosphere was really different on the, uh, on the, I say the Island as in, uh, you know, Oahu. Um, it was really different because they, because they were sort of like away from the rest of the country. No one really understood the impact it was having at that point. Like what was your experience with that sort of thing?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Well, when I was there, as I say, it was right after the show premiered and everyone was excited mm-hmm. because they knew it had gotten good ratings and so that they knew that the network was probably going to continue with the rest of the season. And we certainly had the internet and we had email back then, mm-hmm. but there wasn't, <clears throat> we, the, the iPhone hadn't been introduced, so you couldn't easily get information, but everybody knew from their agents and family and friends that it, mm-hmm. the show had been a big hit. But to your point, to your question about what it was like, the, the, the time frame. I yeah, I, I said yes, mid-afternoon on Wednesday, landed on Thursday, mm. and they took me right from the airport to the set.
0: Wow. What was your and, first scene that you did?
1: Well, I, 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 it was that scene where, uh, I think it was the golf club scene, and I think a uh, golf club uh, episode, mm. and I think it was number six, five, four, five, six, seven, something like that, five, yeah. six, seven, and... I think it's when I walk in and we drop the clubs and I'm with Hurley, I think. And now you have to remember also, this is what 16, almost 16 years ago. So my memory is, yeah, you're going to have to give me a lot of (laughs) leeway. So, um, but I got to the set and they didn't, they had to hurriedly put me in whatever wardrobe they had. They didn't have shoes that fit me. So they bought the, literally the shoes I was wearing, which is why Ethan wears blue New Balance sneakers. Oh, wow. Because that's what I was
0: wearing.
1: (laughs) I'm going to have to rewatch that scene now. (laughs) Yes. And then I I shot it. And then I went back to the production office and they were very, very secretive. And I said, look, guys, you're having me in to play this character and you got to tell me something about him. And they said, well, they really didn't want me to. And I said, look, I I can't operate that way. You have to tell me something about this world. And uh, otherwise I'm just going to look like an idiot. I can't. So I sat in after I really pressed them, they put me in a room in the production office and let me watch all the uh, episodes that had not yet aired. Wow. So that was probably four or five episodes after Mm -hmm. the, uh, because I'd seen the premiere. And then whatever it was two through five or whatever. So at least I knew what was going on in the world. And then I started asking questions further because you remember those first few episodes raise a lot of questions about the world, the characters. Yeah. And I said, you know, who is my character? Well, he was born on the Island. No, he wasn't. And it, it seemed clear to me that either they were really, really good at acting like they weren't sure or they just weren't sure. Yeah. So, um, my in terms of the atmosphere on the set i would say people were very excited they i think they knew even before the show aired that they were making something unusual yeah. something that people were going to like something special and then after the premiere aired and it was a huge hit they were even more excited but people were pretty committed pretty serious about their work it wasn't like a party atmosphere or anything mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone was very friendly. I was there for two episodes and then, uh, as you know, kept getting brought back and I felt very welcomed immediately. Matthew and the rest of the regulars, um, brought me in and, and I hung out with them. And that's not always the case when you are a guest yeah. because they see someone new every week or two. And understandably they're, you know, the regulars are somewhat friendly, but you know, you know, this person you're talking to could be gone in two days or a week and yep. You know, so but I I I felt uh, I felt very welcomed.
0: That's it. That seems like human nature. Like I've definitely the the job I do at the moment. I work in care, and um, a lot of people come in and out of those doors in terms of workers. Like we'll have like agency staff who aren't like fully uh, fully employed by the um uh, by the, uh, by the home and, 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 stuff like that. And it got to the point where it, I just stopped like introducing myself to new people because there would be like a new person every other day. And it's really yeah. bad of me to do, but it is, it's just human nature. You know, when you see cycle, you know, things cycle through all the time, but it's nice to hear that. It's nice to hear that. That was the, uh, that was the vibe. Um, I, I do have to ask, did you follow the show outside of your episodes
1: or? Oh my gosh. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes.
1: Ab- absolutely. Well, and I, it, once I, I got back. I, I think I was in 10 episodes or something like that in the first season, mm-hmm. maybe eight. And so that they had hinted that I was going to be brought back. And so I, I started watching initially cause I hate, hate, hate watching myself. So mm-hmm. I started watching initially cause I thought, damn if They bring me back. I've got to pay attention. I have to have some idea what's going on. And then I got hooked Yeah. and I watched it till the end. Now when they started, uh, some of the crazy things that happen in the later seasons. I, I know some of your listeners may not have seen all uh, all seasons yet. Uh yeah. maybe most of your listeners have not. So I'm gonna give away any spoilers. But it gets things get um, there's some curveballs, as we say in the states. Definitely. in the later seasons but I watched to the end and really enjoyed it really enjoyed it
2: cool
0: yeah it's interesting because um I it was only the other day that I remembered that Ethan appeared in I think it was the 5th season but it wasn't you playing him it was a it was a different actor because he was considerably younger
1: yes uh, he was yeah. a very young right
0: yeah yeah I think he's meant to be about 10 13 or something like yes that. yes remember. yes yeah yes. it was just a just a uh, to like I say, Lost is my favourite show. I've seen it a bunch of times, but I haven't watched it in full for a long time. So actually, like, past the first couple seasons, a lot of it's still quite hazy to me. Like, I know generally what goes on, but, like, the, the smaller moments, especially towards the end, I sort of, like, don't remember as well. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to get back into those through the podcast. Um, oh, good. Uh, yeah, I was going to also ask... Um, since Ethan died in the first season, but, you know, came back throughout the show. Was it difficult to track where your character was going or did it help that you were watching it and it could frame the narrative? What was the, what was that like?
1: Well, somewhat, but you know, it's difficult. They, I really don't want to give away spoilers, but I mean, go go ahead,
0: man. Like if, uh, I I think,
1: well, no, let me, I'll put it this way. Ethan is presented, uh, in a career later in the series. And I had no, uh, Warning, uh, that that Ethan was in that career, yeah. and I don't think they knew either. I mean, I, they were doing the best they could, considering how many different storylines and characters they were tracking. And when I when I was asked to come back for that shoot, that episode, I get the script and I read it, and I thought, daggone gone it! I understood. I wasn't, you know, you can't be upset. They're 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 treading and and they're inventing and 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 trying to stay ahead of the production schedule and there there were a lot of balls in the air. But I thought, gosh, if I'd known this, as an actor, you wanna start laying in the groundwork so that when this revelation occurs on screen, the audience says, ah, oh, wait, oh, that makes sense. And, they, and then you get the joy of, in your mind, in the audience's mind, all the pieces fall into place. Well, yeah. that, I didn't have that. And even though I watch at home, uh, when I went to shoot, they were always shooting several episodes ahead. So no matter what I had seen the most recent episode that had aired, mm-hmm. when I go to shoot, there had already been, excuse me, shot, I don't know, three, four, five episodes yeah. that had not aired yet. So uh, it did help somewhat. Um, and then eventually you just realize you just go with it. You know, yeah. <laughs> as an actor, <laughs> you're like, okay, that's this animal and I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with it because every other actor's in the same boat.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, so on that note, uh, w- which other actors did you did you look forward to working with the most? Like, who did you have the most rapport with?
1: Well, I don't want to use the word most, and because, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I did have, you know, I had recurring scenes with, uh, or I worked a few times with some actors and other actors. I would just see maybe I had a group scene with them or they would, we would see each other uh, on set, but not. we wouldn't be shooting in the same scene. Like They would have just gotten wrapped for the mm-hmm. day, and I would have just arrived. But I shot with Matthew several times and really, really enjoyed working with him. He took it very seriously, which I appreciated, as I mentioned. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I worked some with, uh, oh, i forgot forgotten the actor who played Locke. I had a couple scenes. Yeah, uh, yes, Terry was terrific. And um, I'm so bad with names, Kate. Um, Evangeline Lily yeah yes Evangelina yeah. and um, and uh, a few others uh, but uh, I would say those are the ones that 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 I recall um, mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah
0: cool very cool um so do you have a favorite memory from your time on the show
1: oh that's a good question um, that's a very good question it might be you know the scene, Maybe this that the episode the the fight with Charlie mm-hmm. and uh, or when I put Charlie against the tree and the fight with Jack yeah um those come to mind as as ones that I that I really like and then of course the, the the I think it was my second episode when we see Hurley running through the woods and at the very end of the episode he he's not on the manifest and then they cut to me and I'm with Charlie and uh, Claire huh Claire. Yes. Oh, sorry, Claire. Yes, I absolutely had some scene, had, had wonderful scenes with Claire, and uh, and they, you know, Charlie looks at me, and this is always a, people have always Lost fans have always liked this story. So we cut yeah. to me in the jungle, and the director. It's a very wide shot. So um, what they call video village is where the director sits with the monitors mm-hmm. and some of the other people, and they had to be quite far from us because the camera was so wide. The camera shot was so wide, mm-hmm. and. I'm standing there and I suddenly appear and, and Charlie, I think if I recall correctly says something to Ethan, uh, did you go get Jack or something?" and I said, no, I don't get J- I didn't go get Jack mm-hmm. and the way the scene shot was I said something like, no, I didn't get Jack or whatever my line was and the director had they kept it running it's called a series when you mm-hmm. don't say cut to do a new take, the actor just keeps just gives different line readings and keeps going 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 okay. so we did that, and she kept saying, all right now do it like an alien, do it like a robot, do it like (laughs) you're angry, do it really flatly, do it with emotion. And that's when, if I ever had any doubt that they weren't quite sure who the hell (laughs) Ethan was, that moment removed all doubt. And then what happened was the way we shot that scene, um, it actually continues beyond what you see in the episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Ethan and Claire, uh, I think Ethan says something, uh, uh, sorry, Claire, uh, no, uh, sorry, Charlie says something to me. And then they begin to hear voices in the jungle. Mm-hmm. And both of them turn, they're standing next to each other, and I don't know, I'm 30 feet away or whatever, and they turn and they're trying to see who or what is making the noises. Yeah. And they turn around for a second or two, each to their own side, and when they turn back, I'm standing exactly in front of them. Oh, wow. So it looks as if I've teleported 30 feet in two seconds, something like that. Yeah. And Charlie, you know, he starts a bit, and then he says, he says something, and then I think he said, Ethan, you get, or something like that. And uh, and I ignore him, and I look right at Claire, and I say, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Wow. But they, I think, made the right choice because they cut it earlier, and that look that I give, mm-hmm. people remember that. Yeah. Um, even years and years later, and even when I see it on screen, which isn't very often anymore, you know, they used to have, gatherings of lost casts and things mm-hmm. uh i did and it, even that look even freaked me out like i've never seen myself <laughs> make that look so they i guess they they chose a good point uh uh at which to end the scene
0: yeah well i, I was just thinking actually um lost started when i was 13 years old i th- uh i think yeah th- i was just okay. 13 but in the UK, it didn't air till a year later. So I was I was 14, but oh. I, I remember that moment. As a 14-year-old, I remember watching that moment and that sticking in my mind. So that's just my little story about that moment as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: um, coming back to you as a person, like what, what movies or TV shows would you consider among your favorites?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I would say... Uh, well, that's interesting. I... I write as well, and when I write, I tend towards comedy, but when I act, I get cast mostly for drama. Mm-hmm. Probably because, I don't know, my face and I have an intense energy, but uh, many of my favorite movies are comedy. So, uh, uh, I would say, but I also like some action adventures. So, mm-hmm. for instance, wanna, uh, let's see, With Nil and I? Mm-hmm. Do you know that
0: one? I've heard of it, but I haven't watched it yet.
1: Oh, you have to see it. And I like a lot of older films from the 30s, the screwball comedies. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In America. And uh, Tootsie and Spinal Tap, Shakespeare in Love. Mm -hmm. um, Ratatouille, the Pixar film about the little rat, I think is wonderful. Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) And
1: um, yeah, and uh, so those are some of my favorite. Uh, movies i you know i don't want to get too artsy but i like uh, rules of the game the famous french film from mm-hmm. the from the 39 Renoir's film but those are some of my favorite films and then my wife and i also watch action adventures we like lord of the rings yeah, and yeah. the harry potters and you know stuff like that
0: yeah cool cool um uh, in a similar vein um, what what about music like what would you say some of your favorite music uh, musical
1: artists oh that's interesting well So I've got two young kids, so Mm -hmm. I'm not listening to a lot of music the way I used to, but, Mm uh, I, I still do listen to a lot of jazz. So I like a lot of jazz. Um, a lot of the jazz vocalists from the thirties and forties and, uh, the big ones, you know, Ellington and Armstrong and Mm -hmm. Basie and Miles Davis and Thelonious Monk and, and those. And then, um, yeah. And then, uh sometimes classical among rock i remember since college i've been a rolling stones fan Mm -hmm. i don't listen to them as much anymore as i said because you know i don't have control of the uh the airwaves (laughs) in my home anymore but uh and i also remember i used to like a lot of the uh uh, replacements stuff that's 80s 90s and then i like uh, chrissy Hine and the pretenders of
0: course yeah yeah
1: um yeah and uh so those are some of my favorites. Uh, and then, you know, you can't go wrong with 60s R&B. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, um, I'm not I don't know a lot of contemporary music. And I've, I like, uh, of course, love Elvis Costello. And one of my all time favorites is the singer songwriter Randy Newman, of course. Um, who's known these days mostly for his film scores for Pixar and things. Yeah. Yeah. But, but his individual albums are they're worth checking out. Put it that way. Fair I'll, I'll have to
0: I'll have to check him up because it, I, to be honest I I discovered well, I I know of Randy Newman because of his Toy Story uh scores like I grew up on Toy Story so that's where I knew his name and it was only like mm, not even that probably like ten years ago before I realized he was actually a recording artist outside of that so I, I came in the yes. other
1: direction but oh my god he uh, he writes in what he calls the troubadour style which mm-hmm. is he assumes a character so he will often write. His lyrics are written in the first person. I did this or you, Mm -hmm. and it got him into trouble. I think in the late seventies he wrote, and he tends towards satire. Okay, and it got he got him into a lot of trouble in the late seventies with a song called Short People. Mm -hmm. This was a big big controversy at the time. I think it was late seventies short people got no reason to live. And he goes on. I can't sing it because I have no, I cannot sing worth a damn. <laughs> and he is singing as a spoof, a satire on racism and how random, mm-hmm. uh, are so often targets of racism are, how ridiculous it is, but people took it seriously. Yeah. And there was a lot of abuse and, um, uh, but it, his, his pieces are very short and, they are poetic in the sense that he they uh they're as as i said they're rather short and so every word uh every phrase carries a great deal of weight and meaning and is chosen very carefully i I highly recommend his stuff
0: cool i'll definitely check out and thank you for that recommendation so are there any like specific directors or like other actors that you'd like to work with in future like could be anyone if you if you could pick from like a bucket
1: list oh my gosh um well, uh, you know, the biggies, who wouldn't like Meryl Streep mm-hmm. uh, to work with her? And then I like the two, the two Kates, as I call them, Kate Winslet, Kate Blanchett, mm-hmm. and uh, the three Ds, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, Leonardo da Vinci, um, Leonardo DiCaprio and um, Robert Downey, mm-hmm. and then um, Johnny Depp. Of course. Uh, Those are three, roughly in my generation, whom I think are terrific. Mm. And then among the previous generation, Meryl Streep's a little bit older. uh, You know, there were growing up, there were a number of actors in that top tier, whether it was uh, De Niro, Pacino, Hackman, Hoffman, Mm. and they were all terrific. The one I find, have always found myself gravitating towards most is robert duvall now i haven't seen him i don't know how active he is these days but if you're going to allow me a magic wand to roll back the clock or roll back anyone's anyone's aging process (laughs) then it would be robert duvall he's just i think he's marvelous
0: awesome stuff cool so how did you uh, how did you find working in Hawaii like how did it differ from uh, LA for example in terms of the actual
2: place <laughs> Well I could
1: let you answer that you're probably you, you and your listeners know exactly probably how I'm going to answer that <laughs> it's probably how most people would answer it's it was fantastic now yeah. I was never over there uh permanently or at least for months and months like the regulars were but i would think i was over there the longest for three to four weeks at a stretch and then other times they would fly me over and they i'd shoot and come back and sometimes i would get lucky and i might shoot two days in one episode and they might be uh, non-consecutive days Mm -hmm. so i'd have some days off or maybe you don't shoot an entire day um but it was is wonderful. It was absolutely uh, terrific because not only because of the setting, but in addition, you know you're working on uh, a really good show, mm-hmm. um, an interesting, in some ways a groundbreaking show um, with a great cast and crew. and uh, uh, so you're over there for the right reasons in a good context and you know, even when, even when you're shooting, you look around and uh, you breathe and smell and you're in the tropics. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: It's hard to have a bad day. <laughs> so it, it was in many ways, a dream job. And you know, the hard, one of the hardest things about acting is, especially if you're not a star, uh, is the psychic toll of being unemployed. Mm. Uh, You finish a job, boom, you're unemployed. You get a job, great. You finish it, boom, you're unemployed. You're unemployed, you're unemployed. And I often tell young actors when I talk to classes or whatever, that your job as an actor in many ways is not acting. Your job is finding a job. And, uh, you know, sometimes that you can sense some stirring in the seats. Like, that's not the rose-colored glasses view we want to hear. (laughs) But my opinion has always been that it's better for aspiring actors, young actors to hear that as soon as possible, because that's the truth. And if, if hearing that, uh, deters anyone, then they should be deterred now because it's a darn hard career. Uh, uh, when you get it, uh, when you get a job, it's terrific. But most of the time you're waiting for an audition, excuse me, you're waiting for, uh, to hear back. Um, and it's just, it's, it, it's, it's not for everyone. Put it that way. Yeah, it's, you know, it seems... I always described as a bit medieval, hmm. meaning uh, when you get hired, you're treated like a King. Like they changed the rules a few years ago. So uh, you, for sure, if you don't have to travel as far now, they can fly you coach class, okay. but f- after a certain distance, they have to fly you first class. Uh, you land, you get picked up, you take into a nice, hotel, you get a little bit of spending money each day. Um, you get a nice, uh, uh, salary for that job. Cause the, our acting union over here, um, has set uh, a minimum for how much you can be paid. Mm-hmm. And then when the show reruns, you get some more money. And so you live very well, like a King or a nobleman, but the rest of the time you're a serf. Yeah. And so it's kind of either as it were a feast or famine sort of life, and um, it requires a lot of uh, internal management skills. You've got to avoid succumbing to vices and bad habits and bad company and find alternate ways of bringing in income during the lean days, months, years, and find hobbies and ways to keep yourself motivated and optimistic and inspired. It's, it, it's, uh, it's not for everyone. But if you do like it, then um, uh, then it can be heaven. We were watching a show last night, my wife and I, and Mm. someone came on the screen and I remarked to my wife that that actor had previously been on a hugely successful show and made a lot of money. Mm. And yet here they were continuing to work. And I said, either that person is driven by ambition or greed, or they are lucky or smart enough have found something they really like and they'll do it even though they don't need the money
0: yeah it's an interesting um my mum my often asks me um well she she's talked to me before about um a, a relative that we have who um who is an she's an artist my, my relative not not my mother <laughs> um okay and um my my mum can't really understand why she doesn't get like a quote unquote normal job um, because my mum isn't really particularly creative. She, you know, she does little. She's got little hobbies like uh, on on the side, but she just can't understand that drive. She doesn't have the same. She doesn't have the same experience. She doesn't have the same uh, idea uh, as that sort of thing that you're talking about. Of like having a thing that it might be really difficult, but it's something that you just have to do. It's like something that you know you you want to do and you like doing inside, even if it doesn't bear the most fruit. I suppose you could say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And uh, you know, sometimes parents have a hard time with it, uh, understandably, cause they want their kids to be comfortable and safe. Um, and it's, it's, it's tough because you also need to know at certain at a certain point, okay, it looks like, even though this is my love, I'm never going to make a successful living at this. Yeah. And so do I try to do something else alongside it? Uh, or do I abandon it? I did a movie, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, something mm-hmm. with an actress who was also an accountant and she had, uh, some clients. She was, she worked by for herself as mm-hmm. an accountant, so she didn't have to go to an office, but she loved to act. So she was, she set her own hours and she could maintain her clients' accounts and books, but still act. Mm-hmm. And I've often thought of that as, um, an example of someone who found a way to continue to do what she loved, but uh, in a way that allowed her to, you know, maintain a, a normal and, and livable uh, lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so it can be done. I mean, you, you think an accountant and accountant is about the last thing you'd think would work alongside acting, yeah. but she pulled it off. So there are ways to do it, but yes, I, I do understand, um, you know, your mother's point of view. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. And I really, I was lucky. My parents were supportive. Uh, and I'm, I really feel for, for people who, whose parents don't understand and not only don't understand, but sometimes actively dissuade, uh, their kids from doing what they love. And I guess, you know, now as a parent, I can see both sides. You know, I just hope I hope I can find that, (laughs) that balance when the time comes. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, it it's reminded me actually that a few a few years ago. So I I'm a musician and I have been for about fifteen years or so. And I'm, oh wow, great! For a long time, what I wanted to do with my life was play music and you know do the whole rock star sort of thing. No, sorry, you know, not I I the I never had the ego thing. It was more of a like I want to be hanging out with my friends and playing music situation. Um, but like
1: pretty great. Yeah, hmm.
0: but I could never really like. Get it's not that it can get it together. It was just hard harder to find other other people who were willing to put the same amount of time in, um, I suppose, and the energy and stuff. But. This went on for years. It used to pass the point where I wasn't even in a band anymore. I think it was about five years ago. One of my favorite musicians. I think he wrote like an essay or something. His name is John Frusciante, and he's the guitarist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And he he's been okay. in, he's been in and out of that band. Like he's literally just rejoined a couple months ago again. For the he's back in for like the third time. But the last this past ten years, he's been out of the band, and he wanted to be in a position where he was creating art with no audience. Like he wanted to satisfy this creative urge inside of him as he had been doing all his life, but specifically like without any audience, you know, he, he was the, he was the audience. And that was the only thing it was no, there wasn't meant to be any, any rules that he had imposed on himself in order to to create what he wanted to create. And I read that about five years ago. And I, I thought like, as much as I love music and playing music and stuff like that, it's, it made me realize that it wasn't, like you were saying about acting, it's it's wasn't, I didn't have it deep inside my, like, I didn't have it deep inside my heart and it was, it's for me music is more of a way to connect with my friends or to like express myself creatively sometimes but I don't, even if I had the, the, you know, the connections and the and the talent and stuff to get there, I don't think I would be, I wouldn't be on that level and it was, it was sort of like sad in a way that I realised this because I was like, oh, I've just realised that my, my true passion isn't as much of a passion as I thought it was but at the same time, it did the same thing for me where it removed my perception on what I wanted to do when I was making music. And I still make music on my own, but I usually just put it online and I might send it to a couple of friends and then I forget about it and move on. So, yeah, that's, um, yeah, it's just something.
1: I I think it's, yeah, I I can see, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you
0: off. No, 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 I was pretty much done anyway.
1: Just, uh, I'm glad you came to that, excuse me, final conclusion because I can see that it would initially feel that that your dream, that your, what felt like your essential self, your, your true path wasn't what you thought it was on yeah. the other hand, uh, you could view it another way. And that is that, um, that excursion, that interest was simply part of an ongoing discovery. Mm-hmm. You know, when Thomas Edison, the famous American inventor, mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember which of his inventions he was referring to, maybe it was a light bulb or something. And he, after he said, I had, somebody said something about 2000 failures. And he said, no, I didn't have 2000 failures. I just discovered 2000 ways that didn't work. Oh, and so is. it would be, you could say, well, all right, I tried that and I discovered that's not actually my true path. So it's yeah. not a failure. It's just, okay, that's one that I've at least tried and not taken off the list and now can take off the list. And yeah. at least you have the satisfaction of knowing that you tried. Um, and I did that. And I, you know, and I, I encourage young people to do that all the time. Try it. Cause how are you, how are you going to know if you yeah, don't try it? Absolutely. So, and especially, you know, sociologists believe that uh, younger generations, um, maybe my daughters, maybe yours, they're going to routinely add 5, 10, 20 years to the average lifespan of the human because of advances in technology and science. Yeah. And as a result, people are going to have more commonly have three, four, five different careers. Yeah,
0: it's it's funny you say that because like I, I like I said mentioned earlier, I'm at university at the moment. I'm I'm thirty next year, and it was only a couple of years ago that I realised that I have had something that there was a course I actually wanted to do. So like my my parents, for example, were like out the door. Like my dad joined the the British Navy when he was seventeen, and I didn't you know I didn't leave home till I was twenty. And it's only now that I'm like, oh, I figured out what I want to do. And um, t- it kind of flows on from what I was saying about music. Actually, the stuff that I learned when I went to college was with music technology, like recording, using a studio and stuff. I've now combined with um, my interest in film and TV. And I'm actually uh, I'm hoping to be a um, a sound recordist. So like working, doing uh, production sound essentially on sets. Um, so it's yeah, it's that that ticking off, like you said, ticking off the music. But then rec- I managed to recognize that the stuff that I'd learned could still go towards something else. And now I hopefully have found what I want to be doing for the rest of my life or, or maybe not.
1: Well, well, that's terrific. Mm. And you, you also don't know, I mean, where, where this path is going to take you. I know I have a number of friends who left or thought they were leaving one thing, the mm. way you might have thought you left uh, music. And I have friends who left a certain art or career and cause they felt they weren't good enough to be as good as they wanted to be, or mm. that they couldn't make a living at it. They tried another path and by God, it came back into their life. Either they were able to use the skills they'd acquired in that, or it turned out that they entered that career, but through a different door. And yeah. so they ended up doing the same thing, but maybe a different aspect of it or at a different time of their life or in a different place. So, uh, you just, I think you have to hold the reins loosely mm. and we don't know where the hell we're going to go. If the last three months, uh, if we haven't learned that from the last three months then yeah. we never will. Yeah, so I, I, I applaud you for trying it and then saying, you know what, maybe it's not right right now, or yeah. maybe this door, let me try it. You just never, you just never know. So yeah. Well, I thank, thank you well very done. much
0: for saying that. I mean, that does mean a lot. <laughs> Um, so uh, co- coming back onto uh, onto your career, um, I obviously we, we emailed a couple months ago, and you were you were uh, going uh, doing some work. Just wondering what what you, your your uh, projects are at the moment. Like, have you got anything lined up? Or obviously, elephant in the room, the whole quarantine situation. I'm assuming has affected some part of it in some way.
1: Yeah. So production has has shut down here. Mm-hmm. There is still voiceover work. Uh, most jobs ask the actor to record the voice from their own home Mm -hmm. and most voiceover actors have either a home studio or some sort of a closet they've rigged up but other than doing voice work remotely there's not much if any production work I think there's some in Australia in a certain in a certain context like you can have two actors and <clears throat> maybe a specialized crew mm. um and that probably will will stay that way through the summers my guess at least yeah. we'll see what happens with the virus um but you people can do things on their own i'm sure it's true over there we've got a lot of actors who are creating their own material um putting them up on tiktok or twitter or youtube whatever mm. and either monologues or uh uh, one actor or actress playing multiple roles in a scene and then cutting it all together, all sorts of stuff like that. So, you know, to your point, uh, if you love it enough, you find a way to do it.
2: Um,
1: but I'm, I've been writing, I continue to write, um, the schedule, my wife and I have two very young daughters, one and three, we are locked down at home. Mm -hmm. So I am being pulled into childcare more than I was before, which I love, but it also, you know because sometimes creates havoc with the with the creativity schedule yeah and um but so you just find a way to deal with it and you realize the circumstances are extraordinary and uh you know considering what so many people are going through it's uh it's 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 hard not to feel very fortunate
0: yeah Absolutely. I um I think I, I mentioned earlier, I work, I work in a care home and because it's care, um, I'm, yeah. I, I'm still going to work and stuff, you know, and that, that's like, people have said to me, oh, it's, it's so great that you, you, you're doing that and stuff. And I, to be honest, <laughs> I'm just doing it because it's my job. Like to me, it's not any different, you know, I, I, everything has sort of continued the, sa- the same. And I, yeah, I just, um, I, I do feel very fortunate that I'm still able to go and have that normal part of my week and, and, you know, continue to have income and stuff like that. It's really, a, really a, a blessing. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking there's probably going to, by the time all of this is wrapped up, there's probably going to be a lot of new scripts flying around. Cause I imagine a lot of yeah. writers are using this time to write and write only.
1: <laughs> That's exactly right.
0: That's exactly right. <laughs> cool. As so that brings me to my final question, uh, in the spirit okay. of the podcast, uh, what is your favorite drink, alcoholic or otherwise?
1: Well, this is going to sound super boring and like a lot of BS, but I'd have to say my favorite is water. That's a good, that's a good um, answer. I love some water myself. You know, you know, there's different ways to think about what's favorite it's like if they could, somebody could take away every drink, but, but your favorite, what would your, well, that obviously be water. Now, having taken away, set aside your, the everyday requirements, mm. um, it would probably be, uh, I do like beer, mm. but it would prob- probably be bourbon. I'm from Ooh. Kentucky. Mm-hmm. so i am uh, i'm a bourbon drinker and all things being equal i'd i'd probably take myself a bourbon over anything else
0: very nice very nice and i i, I do i do agree with what you said about water to be honest as, uh, as much as i love like i'm i'm t- terrible i really really like my coca cola and i don't i don't like that i like it and i try and limit myself a lot but it is something <laughs> i really enjoy but water i got to say there's nothing like that some, I don't know sometimes you just get really really thirsty like properly thirsty like it's not like I'm, I maybe haven't drank yes. regularly or maybe it's a warm day or something but you get some cold water and sometimes it just hits you in the perfect way and there's nothing like it it's the most satisfying feeling in the world
1: you're, no you that's exactly what I was after that's mm. exactly what I wanted to say is that y- sometimes it surprises you yeah. with how satisfying it can be
0: yeah awesome well William it's been amazing talking to you thank you so much for your time
1: Aaron it's been a real joy um Thank you for having me on.
0: No worries. Yeah, I I, I hope uh, everything continues to be good with you, and hopefully this um, situation wraps up quicker than we than it seems to be. I don't know. Uh,
1: I hope so. I, I uh, yeah. We may be in for a long slog, but yeah. hopefully not. Um, please take care of yourself and and take the proper precautions when you go to uh, go to your work.
0: Of course. Thank you. Yeah, I've I've actually, I'm obviously wearing the face masks and stuff, but I've realised that. Um, it creates spots, a lot of spots. I've got a lot of spots at the moment because my face is covered, and all the sweat keeps pooling in the in uh, my ch- yeah. It's so bad. But thank you very much for those kind words.
1: You know, do you um, do your ears get raw? Because I've seen some solutions online about ways to to. Um easily tie mm. the elastic straps behind your head so they're not digging into your ears.
0: Well, the, the masks that we're provided with where I work have four, like, bits of string on the back of them, so two at the top and two at the bottom on either side, obviously, and I've just, a lot of people will tie them around their ears, but I've just been tying, the like, the bottom um, around oh, the back of cool. my head. Yeah, like, it does sort of, it touches on the top of my ears a bit, but, like, it's not, like, they're hooked around my ears or anything, so it's, it's not as bad. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anyway, yeah. Thank Understood. you. Understood.
1: I'm happy to hear it.
0: Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for. Uh, yeah. Lovely speaking to you.
1: All right. You too, Aaron. Let me know when. Let me know when the episode's out. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye bye.